Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to Night After Night, a podcast about eight seasons in a row. I'm Lucifer Fernandes, and... I am Chris Jai Warner. Hello, everyone. And here we are. We're almost at the end of season one of Laverne and Shirley. Uh, this is the episode, How Do You Say Are You Dead in German? We've got some interesting little factoids coming out of this one for y'all. Uh, it was written by Bob Brunner, and it was directed by John Thomas Lennox. And Chris has some facts about them. Yeah, so Bob Brunner, is, I believe, has written some other episodes before. That's what I have here in my notes. So we'll probably be covering that off and on. The reason why I wanted to bring up uh, uh, Lennox as a director mm-hmm. um, to, once again, show the nerd that I am, although mostly Lennox was known as a UPM and line pr- uh, kind of production manager for other productions and things like that. He also got his start, it seems like in the early 70s, as an assistant director. One of those assistant director jobs was for The Outfit, which is one of my absolute favorite polyester pulp crime movies based on the Richard Stark novel. Things I did not know. I absolutely did not know that at all. That's neat. Yeah. That's really neat. That is really, really neat. Have you seen The Outfit? That's a good one. I haven't. I mean, I've been meaning to see that one. I have not seen that one yet. Yeah, and then right out the gate, just decide, hey, let's give some movie recommendations. But, but yeah, uh, he did go on. Uh, Lennox yeah. did go on to direct a few other episodes of Laverne and Shirley and a few other episodes of other television. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away. It seems like in 1996, is according to what I've uh, my research has told me. That's unfortunate. Oh, it's mm. unfortunate. And here's what the episode is about. When the girls do their chores in preparation of attending a home Globetrotters game that evening. The delivery boy for Jiffy Cleaners arrives to return Laverne's sweater and passes out from hunger in their living room. After Shirley puffs him back to life, they learn his name is Eric and that he's a German immigrant with a very little mastery of the English language. He has been living in the back of the cleaners because he's been swindled out of the land he bought upon before arriving in America. He was sold a farm in the middle of Lake Michigan. The poor guy. Mr. Coletti, yeah, the owner of Jiffy... There. I know. Poor Eric. Mr. Coletti, the owner of Jiffy Cleaners, probably fires Eric for, fail- for failing to return to the store, sparking a debate between the girls, Carmine, Lenny, and Squiggy about whether giving Eric a collection of money versus helping him get a new job will hinder or help him. Laverne takes the get him a job position, and Shelley takes the give him charity position, and they both accuse each other of either trying to pamper him or being unfeeling. Meanwhile, the end was the girls call for Eric, instead hauls Squiggy off to the mental hospital, Forcing Lenny and Frank to ride to his rescue. What do you think of this episode? This was a ton of fun. This this yeah. is definitely this is definitely one of my favorites. I think of the season. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. it's a it's it's got a lot to go in there. Um, the you know you have the the, the way that they yeah. again it's a case of the timing is really good. The characters really all get to shine. It's this is one of those really good ones that the the cast just they're balancing like all the aspects they balance the little bits of drama they balance the comedy the sometimes the shifts between straight man goofy man you know um it it just you know and and my god the energy that they sometimes throw in especially with the squiggy subplot is just yeah phenomenal 
I mean, when there's yeah. there's the moment when Squeaky comes running back in with the leather jacket and the the hospital gown, and it's just it's so intense. And Michael, <laughs> my God, Michael, when he's he's he just comes in and he's and he's trying to tell the story, and it's it's like and it's like, what do you mean? What happened? It's like I'm getting to that. The ambulance. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I I I laughed. It started so hard. going after me. Going, 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 like every time this ep- I watch this episode, it makes me laugh. It's in- incredible. Yeah. Yeah, considering how much turmoil was apparently going on behind the scenes when they were doing this episode, it's really interesting how well it comes off. And it comes off pretty well. Maybe it's a little disjointed. I would call it plotting-wise, it's a little disjointed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can kind of tell what they're trying to do. They're trying to set up this Aesop about how it's important. It's almost not, it's not even quite bootstrappy. It's kind of like, it's kind of bootstrappy in its own way. But it's also... Um, about how the girls kind of mistrust each other's uh, truest uh, direction, the truest ideas in a lot of ways. Um, so about the behind-the-scenes turmoil, apparently this is one of those episodes where everything was a mess backstage. They kept firing people, kept firing writers, kept firing directors. Um, but somehow they got everything together. Somehow it worked. Somehow it worked because this has two of my favorite minor characters ever. Two of my favorite minor character appearance, minor characters ever to appear on the show, is in this episode. Mm. Nabi Eric and Hildy, the German waitress. Mm-hmm. And you were she telling me adorable. that Hildy Hildy doesn't come back, right? She does not, and I am sad. It's so sad. She's a. I mean, she has again. It's a case of like two two and a half three minutes of screen time, and she's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and she has so much chemistry with Eric. You could like go. Oh, I want to see the two of them end up together. I want to see them, like, being two happy folks just ha- talking German to each other and just uh, getting hang out. Yeah. And, it was, and it's like, you know, it would have been interesting to have an interracial couple in the uh, 50s, the 60s, in the setting, in a Milwaukee that is so white. Mm-hmm. It's so white and that's so anachronistic. And, oh, yeah, completely and anachronistic. As yeah. in Milwaukee complained about it at the time, as is a problem now as you watch the show, it's very white. Yeah. Yeah. So, that would yeah. have been so nice. It would have been. It would have been I, so I nice. totally agree. I mean, just I'm thinking of like people coming to the pizza bowl and they're speaking German to each other. You know, he's 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 doing something. He says something to her in German or they're commenting on something. And, uh, you know, the customer comes in and goes, wait a minute, I thought this was an Italian restaurant, you know, and it's, yeah. uh, yeah. there's, there's so many cute possibilities for a little situational comedy to get thrown in there, as along with the fact that just, yeah. it's, the fact you yeah. don't get to get to check in on Eric and especially on Hildy as well, because I mean, God, I, yeah. I'm trying to imagine, you know, um, a black woman in the fifties working at an Italian restaurant that probably was yeah. in Milwaukee in Wisconsin. Yeah. My God. Yeah. Like, gosh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd have to, I'd have to look up when some of the laws, you know, were getting changed and passed, you know, especially like yeah. with regards to like interracial relationships, because, you know, gosh, uh, just time moves slowly in that respect. It takes yeah. so long for justice to occur. It takes so long for societal change to occur. Mm-hmm. And you think of how long it took like loving, you know, to resolve and mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. But th- this is why, you know, you remake the, if you make remake the show and Gary Marshall threatened to remake the show before he died. If you remake the show, please, 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 just make the characters less white, please. I mm. beg y'all. Mm-hmm. I beg y'all, please. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Um. Yeah. This is well. You know. 
you brought up the little subplot where uh, Squiggy ends up getting taken away. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the, the combination of how he, uh, how David acts at this out, and just like, you know, it was like, well, it happens to him, and he, but he fought his way out. He right. fought his way out of that mental hospital, and there he is. And just the, the mental image of Squiggy doing all of that and just getting there without anybody's help. And yeah. all the little um, one-liners, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, well, and, and to add on to it, I mean, because, like, my question always is, you know, is how did Squiggy get his jacket back? I have this in my notes of, like, questions of, like, did he have a spare? Did he steal it from someone? Or is he, like, a hitman who has a gun stash, you know, somewhere around the house, but instead, around the city, <laughs> but instead it's jackets. He's always got a jacket somewhere, so as, whenever he needs it, he has to go to, like, you know, the corner of 3rd and Milwaukee and go grab another jacket. It's even funnier because Lenny has his pants. It, it, oh, pants yeah, that's Einstein. the best part. <laughs> <laughs> He's walking around those pants on, <laughs> but the jacket stay. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I gotta say, you know, Squiggy, despite being a slob, keeps a clean jacket. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, boys' clothing is generally clean. I think the only time we get we get told all these things about how horrible, filthy, and smelly they are. But they do not outlook it because TV. <laughs> but the only time I can ever remember them actually having dirty clothing besides Lenny's sweats um, would be the one time in the future when uh, when he breaks his leg after Squiggy shoves him out the window in season five. Oh, well, he doesn't mean to shove him out the window. He accidentally knocks him out the window. He, he, he yeah, I was, I was, about to one, I was about to thinking, like, was this a, a Braun Stark moment? I was like, okay, what is, what's going on here? <laughs> no. No, he lands in a garbage can, so mm. garbage saves him. And um, the bottom of his foot is dirty, but it's the foot that's broken, which no hospital would let happen. But <laughs> but that's the only time I can ever remember them like looking as any of them looking as dirty as the show says they look. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so and that's just you know it's that's that like continuity. Yeah, it's a detail. Yeah. It's a detail. Yeah. It's yeah. a detail. But yeah, it's it, bogged down that minutia, kids. <laughs> the the um as we were saying though, yeah, I love the uh uh as you point again also just you know bouncing off like I love how that becomes its own that subplot becomes its own thing and it lets you know Frank and Michael and David get to really shine. Uh, you have the and then you also like every character like kind of gets a sort of a gag and I agree like I feel like plot wise there's these gaps but yet it's sort of made up yeah. for by this being such a character. Yeah character focused episode where each character gets gets something like i'm again i'm going through my notes and like just like the physical comedy with penny and and, um penny and cindy you know laverne and shirley about them yeah you know trying to resuscitate eric and you know and just like and and, like i love that nervous shuffle together in sync and that you know just before they're right let's not panic let's call the undertaker no the hospital it's like already it's (laughs) it's like right hospital (laughs) uh my favorite my favorite bit is when they try to um do a, um, a pointing game to try to figure out who's going to unbuckle his pants. Yes. And then Laverne loses. Why do I always lose? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's because those songs, if there's only one person that is, if there's only two people, you know, I figured yeah. this out when I was a kid. If there's only two people, it's always going to be the same result. Whatever, whoever yeah. gets picked that first, yeah. it's always going to be the opposite of, of that. Yeah. You know, it's, that recurs later. That, that recurs in season two. Oh gosh, yeah, because it's a uh, uh, what you call it? It's a it's like a card counting thing, you know? Yes. Yeah, I love Frank's reaction to that. 
Why you? Always you. Why? Oh my god! And I love how she gets like the scolding reaction, that pouting on the side of the couch. Is, oh, it just kills me. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, just everything about that is hilarious. Uh, Shirley kind of going, going. I puffed the man back to life. She should have just become a doctor. Let's be real. Yeah, let's just she should be become real a doctor. Yeah. yeah, forget marrying a doctor. Yeah, we get an episode where she goes into nursing in season two, and she should just you know that she shouldn't be chasing a doctor. She should be a doctor, and that's that's my Shirley stance for the uh, entire show. <laughs> darn it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I don't disagree though. I mean, I absolutely yeah. believe that. I agree completely. Yeah, I I completely agree with that because it's it it makes you wonder how much of that is a case of that they were unintentionally doing the aspect of a, of, you know, how some women that they were, you know, because they couldn't be, do the things that they wanted to do or be the types of people they wanted to be. They ended up like marrying themselves to the people in those positions. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even, um, yeah, exactly. there was that Ida Lupino movie that almost, almost kind oh. of did that. The one with, uh, uh the bigamist with, what was it? Yes. Ed, yeah. Ed O'Brien and Joan yeah. Fontaine and how Joan yeah. Fontaine in that movie becomes such a good businesswoman herself. They begin to realize, Oh, she doesn't even need the husband. She actually is capable enough to do yeah. it on her own. That's probably the reason yeah. she married him. Yeah. As Sharon once said after her mother tried to tell her to go marry a rich man, she said, Mom, I am a rich man. <laughs> the best story. That's the best story forever. I love that. Shout out to Sharon, uh, wherever she may be right now. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, the, there's a lot of really good dialogue in this episode, in spite of everything that was apparently going on behind the scenes, because things were getting cut. Scenes were getting cut, lines were getting cut. Mm -hmm. This is according to Michael McKeon. He did a um, an interview for IMDb where he was talking about this episode. He also did an impression of Cindy backstage during this episode, just for they were about to go on, where she was putting on chapstick, and she looked at him and went, show's cooking. <laughs> Story. <laughs> it's my favorite story. Yeah. What, what was it? You were because you, you were telling me about that as we were prepping for this episode. It's the most uh, Norma Desmond sounding yeah. sounding thing. You know. I I linked you to the interview and I said, "Why does Cindy sound like Norma Desmond in the story?" Yeah. It, it's oh god. It's it totally sounds like it though. No, I totally agree. It's, just, it's, it's it's like huh. I just love the way he. I love the way he delivers that lot. Delivers that bit of info and that voice, and I'm like, ah. Uh, I've been a, that, that when you're even a fan of someone for like this long and you blew by like oh yeah I can <laughs> you can almost like picture Cindy saying it mm -hmm. in a way but mm -hmm. on the other hand I just love that it even happened it even happened that way that she even said that shows cooking I've I, I've used that line on multiple other people shows cooking since shows, I heard that shows, shows cooking my gosh shows cooking shows uh, cooking. And, uh, and yeah, so it's not actually, you know, I guess probably the next thing to cover as much because we've covered a lot of like the practical stuff, the comedy stuff yeah. and, the, yeah. you know, things, I guess the individual things, the point of the episode I thought was kind of interesting, yeah. the sort of the, as you're saying, you know, the Aesop, you know, aspect, yeah. um, what is your take on kind of the moral or the message that the, the sh this episode tries to get across? So at the very least a, a possible, a, 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 uh, example it tries to put forward. Yeah. Well, it's like. They're trying to give us an Aesop where it's more, it's better to give a person, to teach a person how to fish. You teach the person how mm -hmm. to fish, they know how to fish and how to take care of themselves. Give them the opportunity of the job, they'll have, keep the, they'll continue to be able to feed themselves no matter what. Well, not no matter what, but 
And if you just give them temporary charity, they'll only be able to feed themselves for a couple of days. That's what they're trying to make point-wise. They're trying to give us point-wise. It's kind of bootstrappy, but not. Because um, the ultimate point of it is that uh, Chili thinks Laverne's being horrible and unemotional and cold. In reality, she's being warm and kind. Mm -hmm. The show... Uh, takes on mental illness multiple times. This is the first time they do it in a jokey way, but we get much, much more serious episodes coming up later mm-hmm. that tackle it and tackle the subject. And it's um, uh, it's interesting how you get you the way the show handles it changes. And in this case, this is the first time we kind of get this version of the show's uh, opinion about class issues. Mm-hmm. Um. That there are people out there even poor, more poor than the girls and the guys. That the best way for them to help him is to kind of bring him up on their level. He gets a job at the pizza bowl. Uh, you know, he's kind of making the same amount of money that they do. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's what they're trying to go for, I think. Yeah. So what do you think? Yeah, because so I guess, because I was feeling similarly. Like, I, I understand it and I feel it's a... Because it is interesting how he accepts the job, he doesn't accept the the actual money, you know, the actual like object, yeah. essentially. And I guess that's you know, it's because I think that's the message. Definitely, it's the very it's a very twentieth century American yeah. um, ideal of yeah. opportunity, yeah. not charity. Yeah. That, which of course is in itself, as as you know, as as time has gone on and our uh, our perspective has evolved, we begin to realize that sometimes the opportunity is the char- the most needed yeah. charity than anything yeah. else. And, um, and that also opportunity without the charity or the support to make that opportunity successful is also then itself, it, it makes it more of a hollow gesture. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just, it, it was interesting to, to, to see how they kind of worked around it. It's a, it's a simple, you know, after school sort of thing, but it, it comes off as, um, uh, it, I, I, I guess what I, I appreciate it is that they they were trying to make clear the point that the charity was looking at as a gesture that was almost a bit patronizing yes. with the way that they discuss it not yes. so much the way he reacts to it but the way they discuss it privately yes. and that the pity they feel for him is incredibly infantilizing yeah like it, it's really looking down on him yeah 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 and laverne's the one who's looking at him like uh he treat him like a human being treat him like someone who could take care of himself Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that is a, a perfect crystallization of what they're trying to do here. That's much better of crystallization of what that guy was trying to say. <laughs> that was very good. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's what they're trying to do with this. Uh, yeah, you you compare that Shirley's tendency with people is to baby them. To be real, mm-hmm. she motherhands everyone. She motherhands Laverne constantly. Eventually, she motherhands Squiggy. Eventually, she motherhands Lenny. Uh, she does it to everybody but Carmine, basically. Even I think mm-hmm. she does it to Frank at one point. I oh think. My gosh. Oh but my. yeah, that that is her default. Her default is to uh, protect and baby, and that's that comes out here big time. And versus Laverne, who kind of like shoves you good naturedly in the right direction, with a couple of tough words. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Shirley again just. Uh, interprets that as horrible and cold and then she's wrong and I loved her line for when that happened what that which was I hate it when you're kind and warm and I'm not ready for it it drives me nuts mm-hmm. 
Now, what does that say about their relationship? That mm-hmm. drives her nuts because she's not expecting it. Especially the uh, the perception they have of each other as well, because I think yeah. that's yeah, also yeah. what causes the interesting conflict between the, kind of the banter between the two. And I think that's also what we we find fascinating about this show is that it reflects how our our own perception of ourselves and the other and the way people look at and also the way people look at us, how we perceive their perception, is very. Yeah. Um, is kind of the key thing that, you know, can make something either work or not, you know, because it's, uh, um, sometimes it's, it's, it's accurate and sometimes it's not. And sometimes also it's the, the expectation we have of somebody is kind of false, you know, that we're not, yeah. you know, looking at them as being a rounded person. We're trying to simplify them into something we can categorize and, and it's, uh, yeah. it can be, um, and again, yeah, it's, it's, it becomes kind of patronizing yeah. to look at people that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even John Hughes, like, hit that point in the 80s, mm, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Breakfast Club. That You can't really put people in boxes. Uh, people aren't that simple. Uh, I don't know. They, I don't know if the girls really constantly do that to one another. I wouldn't say that. And the way they know each other better than anybody else on the planet, but in a way they know mm-hmm. themselves better than the you know, person next to them know them, even their best friend. So as the series goes on, we'll see if this echoes. We'll see if this echoes curious yeah i'm curious about yeah, that yeah yeah but um what yeah and a lighter I, note mm-hmm, go ahead mm-hmm. so did you have one well go i just ahead. i i just had the one thing i was just gonna say it just reminded me of um i was also glad to see this is this is a use of the boo-boo face that was very that was very cute and very relatable uh not the boo-boo face not the boo-boo face don't do the boo-boo face oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i love it the way um Probably one of my favorite jokes is when uh, Shirley's taking down how much money each of the boys are going to pay in to the charity that they're going to give to Eric. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Lenny tells her to put in five bucks and he's not going to be paying for it. And she tells, says, she tells him that's very generous of him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's your charity, honey. Yeah, even though it's, isn't it, yeah, isn't the girls are going to front them the money to then pay into yeah. it, if I recall? Yeah. 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 That's uh that starts a history to be honest in the yeah, show. Yeah, that I I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. Where where the boys actually get to the point where they're paying their rent in monopoly money and then they're stiffing them by like twenty bucks. Oh god. Oh my god. <laughs> that happens. That's coming. That's happening. I love that that's that that I love that that brings me to another point. Uh, when Eric passes out, Shirley blames the boys for it. She thinks this is a practical joke that they just dumped some person mm-hmm. or something on their rug. And it's mm-hmm. a practical joke. And I have no idea what that either says about her or what that says about the boys. But <laughs> well, I, I mean, it, the boys probably had other friends that they would, you know, pay you know, 50 cents to to do that kind yeah. of crap in high school, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. And, and it's yeah. like, all right, but then you passed out, you know. And, and don't don't worry about it. We'll give you 50 cents. And uh, or well, it's like I'll get, and it's like I want more than that. All right, then we'll give you half a dollar. You got a deal, you know. And <laughs> and so they. Uh, the guy yeah, in the story like, has to. That's be that's my take on it, anyway. Is that yeah, it's probably has happened before, and they probably have had you yeah. know, or had something like it happen before. Some other practical yep. joke where there's something waiting, you know, and then they ambush her. Yep. Double makeout. Double makeouts are coming. Double makeouts are coming. Hmm. <laughs> That's another part of the show. Mm, gosh. That's canon. Um, we do get a lot of like really good lines in this episode. Uh, oh, you mean like, 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 like uh, hey, Laverne, I'm passing out. Lick me. 
Lift me, lift me, lift, lift me. me oh well, I'm me, sorry. I I heard me. that. Okay, my mind was in the gutter when I was rewatching this episode. My apologies. <laughs> I'm quarantined here, man. We're all locked out in Oregon at this time. <sighs> As we've been saying this a lot for recording sessions, you laughed. I'm off the hook. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think that that would be the line that they would want to have said, but. No, he says, lift me. And then, I pass it out, lift me. That's the only way you can get oh, boy. her mouth on his at that point. And then, he just, she just grabs him and shoves him in the swiggy. That's, that's good physical comedy, too. That's, that's right, yes. Comedy. Oh, that's the punk, yeah. Head first into, yeah. The, into the bits. Punk. Right into the bits. Yep. Yeah, and even like the way they pronounce the, uh, I'm not going to the, the theater, you know, which always makes me think of Rudy Ray Moore movie trailers. <laughs> Coming soon to this theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the, the good, uh, back to the dialogue point I was going to make. Um, mm-hmm. Probably my favorite one was where Squiggy's taking, Squiggy's with, Squiggy, Carmine, and Lenny are taking Eric to the pizza bowl. And he says, uh, <laughs> Carmine says he's going to, I think it's Carmine said he was going to teach him how to bowl. Yeah. And Squiggy goes, how are we going to teach him how to bowl? The pins are in English. Right. I love <laughs> that. Yeah. That, oh God. I, I started laughing because I knew exactly where you were going with that. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. There's so many zingers in this episode. That, that's, that's why yeah. it's definitely one of my, one of my favorites for this season. Like I'll freeze my hair off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. Whenever, whenever Squiggy refers to his hair being frozen off by how cold it is in Milwaukee, which I happens like three times, it's great. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, this is the second time we hear hear about Mrs. Lederhausen, who uh, Frank is dating. Mm. Uh, she will disappear in season two, conveniently enough, so he can date the girl's landlady, who we will be meeting in a few episodes next season. I think it's interesting. How they are portray they portray Frank in this entire series as um, someone who has an active sex life to Laverne's utter horror, basically. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was amusing. She knows it's happening and she hates it, mm-hmm. and you can't blame her for hating it. <laughs> but there is that uh, that line where um, oh god, what is it? It's the uh, it's like he knows how to give mouth to mouth. What do you think? She, what do you think he's doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's perfect. That's utterly perfect. And um, it's and that I love that Laverne bargained this part, this one job for Eric, out of Frank by saying she surely will come eat at his apartment twice mm-hmm. a week, and then it never happens in canon. We it must happen. It happens off screen. Allegedly, so. you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, that last line. It's like I, I I hate eating at your father's place. He makes fun of the way I eat spaghetti. Yeah, I eat spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, love that. And and now I'm wondering, how does she eat spaghetti? Does she like get like anal retentive and have to like cut into little cubes with a fork and knife? Because I did that. That's once. actually what I was. Yeah, I was picturing she's either chopping it with her uh, knife and fork, or she's uh, w- uh, winding it in a way that he finds annoying, or something like that. Mm. I mean. Oh, what if it's the uh, she slices the meatball? If it's me, if it's meatballs, because I mean, I know some many yeah. traditional spaghettis don't do that. But if slicing yeah. the meatball, you put it on top like a layer, then cut around it, and then put it all on the fork like it's layered. 
I can see her doing that. She's that organized. Yeah, that makes sense for her character. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, that last moment in that final, um, in that scene, you know, with the job, you know, where they're getting ready to to go, and then she runs into the uh, before Laverne runs to the bathroom. Um, I thought it was interesting. They actually, you know, like again, this is 1976 or so that uh, they opened up their underwear drawer, and like you actually see in uh, Laverne's hand her uh, garter belt and panties and all that. And I was like, okay. Oh, I, oh. Oh, that, that becomes a running theme, too. <laughs> uh, at one point, the boys are trapped in their girl's traveling trunk because they've gone off on a trip. Mm. And they stowed away in the traveling trunk. Mm. And it's revealed that Lenny ate one of her garter belts to survive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, that, doesn't, that doesn't seem nutritious. No. And yet he survived, and golly knows how. <laughs> I mean, what do they make those things out of back then? I wonder, huh? Cotton. Great, cotton. great. Now I'm now I want to look Spanish. this up. Oh, great. Okay. Oh, God. Have, <laughs> my 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 Google's. But okay, I've got to Google search. Uh, are uh, were 1950s garter belts um, edible? <laughs> guess it's a big no. I, yeah, I'm guessing that's a no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the. It, it is really cool. It's, there's, a, there's a lot of, there's are some amazing moments like that, you know, just, uh, or I should say that, you know, there's little comedic moments, you know, going back to um, um, the stuff with Frank and the stuff with all these different characters throughout. And it's interesting you mentioned, going back a little further to what you said about how, you know, there were cutting scenes, stuff was getting cut out and rewritten, you know, you know, basically down to the wire, it sounds like on some of these, these shooting days. Yeah. And it, you kind of can tell from one really interesting aspect, which is that the final scene of the episode is the where they come back from seeing the Harlem Globetrotters and they do the little dance and, and yeah. all that. It's good and it's, that. It's, it's a it's a great you know um, it's a great little beat and it's and it's 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 wonderfully like vaudevillian, almost old school silent cinema and sweetly innocent. Um, yeah, but it's also the interesting thought of like. There was no really narrative more to say, so they just had to, you know, put in a joke. You know, that's all they had yeah. left. Yeah, they had extra time for the tag, and they didn't know what to put in the tag, so they're just kind of pretending to bounce an invisible wall along. Mm-hmm. As, to me, it's like they, uh, you could tell, certain episodes you can absolutely tell they're vamping for time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on the episode... And it depends on what the heck was going on. Some of them are just, you can tell which ones uh, caused David to drop kick a script into the rafters, you know, so to speak, <laughs> which really happens. Oh, wow. Uh, that, that takes skill. Yeah, that's what Michael said. He brought it up in the virtually uh, any biography. This is what this quote comes from. He was impressed that he got it all the way up in the rafters. And yeah. Yeah, it's just like sometimes some of these episodes you can tell why they got upset at the writing because some of the episodes just you know are disjointed or missing mm. that little extra ingredient. But this is one of those episodes that has a lot of things that either should be expanded on or use more mm-hmm. or um, should recur. Characters should recur. Uh, so, so the ultimate stew that is the is the um, episode is not quite there, but it has worthwhile parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. kind of like kind of like a uh, I don't know, it's kind of like a uh, meatball floating in a beef stew. 
You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, it's like they there's there's some some aspects, some seasoning, or it's like yeah, you know, like you're doing a yeah. stew without the vegetables, and it's like I yeah, you can't really call it a stew without the vegetables. <laughs> that that bring, actually brings me to something that I found amusing when I was rewatching this episode. The girls can barely afford anything, but they can afford dry cleaning. Yeah, and that was like what, like three bucks, three dollars twenty. Yeah, it's all like that. Yeah, which is uh, which is uh, you think would be a luxury they wouldn't be able to afford, considering you know some mm-hmm. of the stuff that they go through in this season, some of the stuff that they go through later on mm-hmm. in the uh, series. But uh, yeah, it's, I thought that was, uh, I was like, gee, they I know that they could afford that. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because they also, even in that first scene, I, I just was checking my notes. And yeah, they, they have that, like, was it 28 cents that they were trying to save yes. on something? And uh, and it's like, yeah, so it's it's interesting, yeah, the, 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 the balance of it. And, you know, I guess it's the it's the catch when doing this type of writing. I mean, because we've, we've written these types of characters to try to figure, you know, I'm sure, you know. Yeah. At least with your being so much more prolific than I, you know, that you've probably have gotten to where, like, you've worked, maybe even worked out, like, the budget's that a character has, you know, on a week to week basis. Yeah. I haven't gone that crazy yet, but I will. And I intend to, and I intend yeah. to go madly insane with joy doing that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like one of those things that you try, the show's very good at keeping everything blue collar. We've said that before. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. They're really good at the, the way they spend, spend their budget. I just thought that was like, a, I, was, I was like, could they have afforded that? Hmm. I had that mm-hmm. little thought, that little thought bubble moment while I was watching this past this last time like that was even the nice touch that um a few episodes prior you know with the fake out of the stakeout um the 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 milwaukee masher has even taken the one of the recurring coats that's one of the coats that he stole out of their uh, wardrobe yeah yep 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 the the show knew how to recycle wardrobe when they got new clothing it was a big deal Mm. that kind of holds in the California years, but not quite. Everything goes up budget-wise in the California years, and it kind of loses its blue-collar roots, but not quite. But it does. Mm. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Probably, this is the episode that sets up the girl's um, personality that comes to cleanliness versus sloppiness. And this will become more and more of a thing as they continue to uh, evolve as characters throughout the season. Uh, Laverne put, had peaches under her bed somehow. <laughs> the show yeah. was clean oh under the bed. And it was just like, ah, it was like, oh, well, that's interesting. I don't know how moldy that was. And but that continued. And then yet they make fun of Lenny and Squiggy. Like, mm-hmm. come on, you're kind of doing the same things. Mm-hmm. It's like they make fun of, they, they're horrified and grossed out. But what they're eating, there was an episode where Laverne eats uh, scooter pies and tuna fish to get salad together. Uh. And you're like, so, so they're making fun of them and they're doing the same thing. Interesting. Uh. Oh, yeah, that's a plot point at some point. That's a plot point at some point. And it could be that they're yeah. just projecting that they, they are themselves, you know, Deep down inside, their 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 higher self is saying, "Why? Why are you eating this?" Oh well, you have to justify it. Well, make fun of them to feel better. Mm. <laughs> well, that's what we were talking about—the boys being girls' mirrors, their funhouse mirrors, mm-hmm. vice yeah. versa. 
Yeah, yeah it definitely comes in at that point. What do you think of this one? What was your, what was your um, grade? For me, so for me, this one is a really solid, like, I'd say like a seven and a, a seven to a seven and a half, I would say. Just because the the it's as disparate as it is, the individual parts just make me laugh so hard that it's like it's from a comedy level and a staging, you know, directing, blocking, you know, element. I mean, they're dealing with this essentially a mess, you know, of a you know of a really complicated script, and they're able to make it very watchable. So unfortunately, yeah. it would be higher if it had more. Um, yeah, I guess in that case, yeah, more of a seven because yeah. if it would be higher if there was more weight or at least maybe nuance given to the the moral uh, the aspect the more the, the moral of the story um but it's uh um it's got so much character here that i really enjoyed and and as i was mentioning before you know we're, we're starting to get into where these characters are getting more solidified and kind of coming yeah. together you know the, the the crux of them and that you know because this is a good example of getting to see more aspects played with um because yeah, Lenny and Squiggy having some weird, bizarre example where you know one of them tries to fly down the ambulance, starts screaming, and gets taken off to the loony bin, is um, it's very Lenny and Squiggy. By this point in the show, yeah. we know that's very Lenny and Squiggy. Yeah. Whereas if this had been like episode two or three, we would have been like, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's how I feel about uh, how do you say "Are you dead?" in German? Is that it's a good episode at the right point in the season. Yeah. Um, and it's it's definitely a favorite for me, just from a sheer just comedy state, you know, delivery uh, standpoint. And it, even though that I I do agree, I wish that there had been a little more, perhaps said or a little more nuance to the 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 moral or the point they were trying to make, because it is you know it it, it is a bit bootstrappy and it's it's also not really understanding you know the 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 complexity of those issues. But I like that they did try and part of the elements that's, and especially the way it pays off with Laverne and Shirley also being a reflection of, or being an example of the surprise they sometimes feel with each other that yeah. one or the other is, is, has that softer side. Yeah. And, and that was, so that was good. So yeah, solid seven. Yeah. This is a right around five for me. It's disjointed enough to make sure, to keep it away from me, wrecking it mm. higher than I mm. normally would have. Uh, mm. the plot disjointing, uh, kind of annoys me at certain points, but there's so many nice minor characters. Uh, there's a lot of good ideas. Honestly, I would have taken a whole episode of them trying to break Squiggy out of the mental hospital. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I would have really am sad that never happened. Um, I would have taken, uh, uh, a whole episode of, uh, Eric and Hildy together, but the end, what you get is everything mashed up together, and parts of it are good. Parts of it could have used more establishment, more work, uh, a little more time to gel. So that's why it's a solid five for me. That's a solid five for me. It's good yeah. in parts. It's good in parts. Gotcha. So, so you feel like in some respects, I guess my question then to you is, is this a case that you feel making this have been an hour-long episode or a two-parter have helped, or do you feel that there was still too much intrinsically um, difficult with the structure entirely that they, that just that amount of time wasn't enough that it needed to be more kind of more stretched out where like this more of this chunk over here and the more of this chunk over there. If there's a way to rework it, you did the plot just need to be reworked. Honestly, hmm. what I would have done Even if it's me is I would have, uh, I would have taken the whole mental hospital part of it and put it in a whole different episode. That really needed to be in a different episode. 
I would have mm. kind of made the stuff with Eric more serious. I would have at least given us a tag scene with him and Hildy at the restaurants. And maybe get plant a little seed in the audience's head going, hmm, maybe they're getting along. Well, this is nice. Maybe this will lead to something. Hmm. Mm. And I would have maybe, maybe pointed out or stretched out the fact that even if you get a job, and even if you get a job with a good person, yeah, I would have compared Mr. Coletti to Frank, first of all. We kind of need a scene with Mr. Coletti when mm -hmm. he's there. So mm -hmm. we can either hammer in his assholishness or point out that, hey, even people who try uh, end up sucking because of the economy, because of uh, white privilege, because of all kinds of things, because of, you know, privilege of mm -hmm. being an American citizen or being born in America versus mm -hmm. being an immigrant. Uh, right. I just feel like it, like they should be two different episodes. Uh, there should have been a little bit more work put in. You could do it in a half hour. You can definitely do it in a half hour because the episode this reminds me of uh, is the one the Golden Girls did uh, where Sophia springs uh, her uh, dementia-stricken friend from the home. They bring her home. They can't handle it. They try to fight the system. The system is shitty, and the people in charge of the nursing home know it's shitty. And ultimately, they have to step in with their own solution because the system sucks. Uh, mm. That's what parts of this, you know, weirdly, probably very, very weirdly remind me of. Yeah. And, you know, that, so it's really doable. It's doable in a half-hour format. It just needed more tinkering, I think. That's what I was, that's what I was, that's the way I feel about it. Cool. It's a good, it's a good perspective. Thank, thank you for sharing. That was, that was good yeah. to hear. Thank you. You're welcome, as always. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I guess does that that wrap us up then? Yeah. All right. Well, excellent. Well, thank you again, everyone, so much for joining us for yet another episode of Night After Night podcast, where we talk about eight seasons in a row of Laverne and Shirley. So, uh, yeah, as we're as we've often say, you know, if you wish to listen to any more of us, we are on uh, we are on the uh, services where you found this a particular episode, and as well, if you want to. Check out a little more Laverne and Shirley goodness. Uh, we're also on Twitter at night after night PC, and uh, you can follow us there. We, um, I think by now we'll probably be this, at this point. We're doing much more of the uh, like watch-alongs and stuff like that, which yes. are kind of cool events to check in with us. And then there's also us on Facebook, and we also have a Patreon if you'd like to support us. We have some incentives that are pretty awesome, and we would you know love to have your support and just to be able to you know bring you guys a little more content. And then as well as, uh, yeah, we're on the YouTube where you can find these episodes. And, um, yeah, I think that's going to be kind of it. But, you know, make sure to look after look out for us at Night After Night Pod or Night After Night PC on Twitter. Thank you again so much. And uh, and Lisa, what are, we, what are we doing next? It's uh, it's episode 14 where we've got two more of the season left. Yes. This is the first Shots Talent Show episode. Very first one ever. Uh, it continues begins a pattern of four, of uh, yearly appear reoccurrences of this talent show. There is four all total. Uh, the girls will audition their act and probably fail, but you'll have to tune in next week to find out. All right. Well, I'll certainly be here for that. So I hope you guys will join me and join Lisa and join us all in uh, having ourselves a good time night after night. And uh, all right. But I guess that'll be all from us for now. And uh, stay classy out there, everybody.
Keep your house clean, people. Keep your house clean. <laughs>